a reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, it has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. The word of the Lord. Pastor Kevin is uh, in Spokane uh, doing the training for uh, recalibration. Um, and so you get to hear me today. I told Dana, uh, keep the bar low. You know, <laughs> keep the bar low. That way you're not disappointed. <laughs> I don't have a, 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 um, a full sermon for you today. But uh, what I have are some thoughts on our lectionary reading and what it means to experience a resurrected life. Uh, during the season of Easter, remember, Easter is not a day, it's a season in the church uh, year. The lectionary readings have a theme, and they, they go well together. And so I, I hope I can catch that theme and talk to us about it um, today. Right off the top, I think that religion that does not move us from who God is and moves us to a place uh, of who you are simply remains in a, a lower level of knowing. The lower levels are where rules and behaviors and tribalism. Uh, Richard and Karen, were, we were talking before the service there uh, about, about sports fans and how uh, you know, I don't really know why we don't like those guys. I just know we don't like them. <laughs> why? Well, they're a different color. That's a good example of tribalism. I, I know I belong as a Dodger fan, and I know we don't like those guys, but I really don't know why. We just don't. Uh, lower levels are, are preoccupied with traditions and, and really spend most of their energy and most of their time in identifying who is in and who is out. It is very, very easy to live here. A few days ago, uh, Kai, my four-year-old, said, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a policeman. So I said, oh, that's interesting. Why? Well, police are good and bad guys are bad. Pretty easy. So in his mind, I don't want to be a bad guy 
I want to be a good guy, and who are good guys? Police. And so this very simple way of looking at the world, you know, it helps us, it serves us, but it's just not a very simple, low-level way of looking at our world. It doesn't really require change. It just requires us to know the rules. My mom's not here, and she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm going to say what I'm going to say. <laughs> and none of you better ever say, Lupe, or else you don't get her salsa. That's the, that's the deal. Uh, this was maybe junior high, high school. I don't remember the exact time frame. But our family decided to go and drive to Ensenada for a few, like the weekend or a few days. And of course, anybody who goes to Ensenada ends up at La Bufadora, the, the, the famous blowhole that's out there. And it's, it's, uh, it's a feature in, in the uh, side of the mountain. And when the waves come in, it sprays. And it's, it's nice. You know, it's a, it's a day trip. So there we were at La Bufadora, and if you've been there before, you know that there's this long corridor. It's been years since I've been there. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's still there, and there's shops and, and restaurants and bars, and it was a hot day. <laughs> so um, we're walking towards the corridor, and uh, a, pers- a, a man out of, out of a bar calls, and you know, we Mexicans, we just... We want business, so we're, you know, you can't go down that corridor without, hey, come and check this out, low prices, good deal for you. Um, so this man calls out to, I'm assuming my dad, because he's not calling out to, to my brother, I, uh, you know, a cervecita, a cold beer. You know, we have cold beers here. And my mom, without skipping a beat, turns around and says, no, that's not for us, we are evangelicals. I was so embarrassed (laughs) because I'm thinking, clearly the alcohol rules in Mexico can't be that, you know. (laughs) There's some leeway for a 17, 16-year-old to have a little cervecita, right? (laughs) Um, I was embarrassed because we as a Jesus-loving Christian family, Lutheran, going to church every weekend, we judged this man. And we drew a line between who we were, we were the good Christian evangelicals, and who he was, a earth-worldly, whatever sinner who's offering us good people beer. That line, man, that still draws. So a few, uh, few months ago, we brought home some uh, dessert wine from Costco. And you know, we chilled it. We're having dinner. And after the meal, we, you know, Esther put some glasses. And Esther says, Lupe, do you want some? So the year I'm like, oh, because I still remember what happened in Ensenada. Okay. Sure, mija, I'll have some. Oh, okay. So she, she, and Esther doesn't know any of this, right? 
she pours her some wine, she takes them for herself, and my mom drinks it, and she's like, oh, this is good. <laughs> she finishes her glass and says, can I have some more? <laughs> so I'm like, mom, what, what, what happened? I thought we were good evangelicals, and this was evil. These lines that we draw, these tribalisms, these these low-level ways of seeing the world just are not for us. Living as people of everyday resurrection requires us to move beyond that level of knowing. And it requires us to experience a rebirth in knowing who we are and who God and what God is doing in our world. Notice from the scripture how much trouble Peter and John were in. We, we didn't read what happened before, but they healed a, a crippled man. That's what got them in trouble. They healed a crippled man. The power systems and power structures are built on the lower levels of knowing. The higher levels of knowing are almost always perceived as a threat to the system. And the only currency that systems and structures really know or are concerned are is authority. Notice that the question for them was, hey, why did you do this? It was not why did you do this, it was by what power? Because we hold the power, but what What's going on here that you have power that we don't? A few weeks ago, Jesus got himself, and when I say a few weeks ago, in our lectionary, we read. We read. Um, not, not like a few weeks ago. But um, Jesus got himself in some trouble for threatening this very system. Recall that he was with his disciples in the temple, and he stated, destroy this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. And, and that, that was a turn in the ministry of Jesus. After that, they wanted to kill him. You threatened the very system that we control. I think th- this offers us a big clue as to what's going on in our lectionary today. Remember only a few weeks ago, again, a few weeks The disciples are hiding in that upper room in fear of the Jews, in fear of the power system. And now they carry in their being the spirit that firmly grounds them in who they are. They carry in them their resurrected identity. They are, and we are the empowered beloved. For, for years, and I think up to, up to now even a little bit, I could not bring myself to walk into a 7-Eleven. Merely looking at the store would bring a sense of shame and disappointment. So back in the seventh grade, my friend and I thought it wise to shoplift. And when you're a good church boy who's never shoplifted before, 
it turns out you're horrible at it. <laughs> because, of course, I got caught and Duder did not. Uh, anyway, that's a whole different story of what I think uh, our plan went wrong. Police were called. And um, I was released to my dad who had to leave his second job of the day in Burbank. We lived in Koreatown. So you can just imagine how, how he was. The uh, interesting thing that I encountered was he didn't say a thing to me. I thought, oh, man, I'm going to get whooping tonight. Nothing. Nothing. He never spoke of this. And up to today, I've never spoke of this either. But what I did get and what I felt was disappointment and shame. So for a long time, every time I saw that store, whatever I felt good about or whatever was going inside instantly got covered in shame and disappointment. And that became my, it was who I was. I was that kid. And, and, and it, maybe even now I still carry a little bit of that. It's hard to shake. Who you think you are, especially when you've done something, it stays with you. This is why I think these disciples were hiding. They have just betrayed Jesus. I mean, you can't feel good about that. The power system just crucified Jesus, and everybody knows you, you guys are with Jesus. You hide. What else do you do? You hide. And so I hid by not walking into that store. Even now, every time, I was there a few weeks ago, and I, because I, I went to the, I was going to the gym, and I forgot my water bottle. So I'm like, ah, I walk into a convenience store. And I grabbed my water, and I clearly held it here. <laughs> so there'd be no confusion. Put it on the counter, put my money. I mean, I, the guy must think, like, what's this? But I'm like, I'm not, in my head, in my head, the script that's going is, I'm not stealing. I'm not stealing. I'm paying for this. I have the, do you want a receipt? Yes, give me the receipt. I have my receipt, and I have my water. Because that's, it gets ingrained in who you are. It stays with you. False identities are hard to shake. It's almost as if they need, they need to be put to death. And a new identity, as Ryan reminded us with this song, needs to be born again within us. God, through the resurrection, has put in motion a plan to remake all of creation through beloved humans who carry within them his living spirit. The new currency in this new system is love and compassion, forgiveness, reconciliation. And you hear me say this each time I'm up here, but I'm not going to stop. Kinship. 
nothing breaks down the power structures of the old world like love and kinship. You see, my mom couldn't say anything to Esther that night about how evil a family we were because we bought, we bought dessert wine. Why? Because she became part of it. And you can't hate someone that you have befriended. Kinship and love are these higher levels of knowing. So when Jesus stands in that upper room with a group of men who denied and betrayed and literally turned their back on Jesus, he shows us what kinship is. Shalom, peace be with you. There is no holding on to anger, hate, resentment, or shame, or need to punish. He doesn't even remind them of what happened. He simply says, peace. In our modern West LA, it would be, we're good. We're good. That's, that's in the past. You and I are good. Friends, we are the beloved of God. And he invites us to live into this peace where we live in kinship with God and in kinship with people. And he also invites us to join in his work of restoring humanity. And because it is Earth Day, we must never forget that he is, uh, that all of creation will also be fully restored and made new. And we are called to be partners with him in this work of restoration. If Easter and resurrection if that is only something that happens to Jesus, and our only job as Christians or as believers is to uh, have enough faith and believe that that actually happened, if that's all that is required, then we're missing out. If we're not called to join God in this start of what God is doing in our world, and, and to experience new life and a new identity, then, then change will never happen. God will always remain this external force, this external notion, and, and our identity as God's beloved will, just can't take root because our identity will still be grounded in our the stuff we did or the stuff people said of us or those labels we carry. Easter is not only about what happened to Jesus, but what happens to us. Easter is not for God. It's for humanity, for creation. The old wineskins of religious rules and traditions and tribalism, this external piety simply cannot hold 
the new wine of resurrection where love and compassion, restoration, and kinship with the poor, kinship with the broken, the outcast, the marginalized. Peter and John weren't jailed for what they believed. They were jailed because they stood with that crippled man. They stood in kinship with him. If you go back and read the text, what the good men and women did, well, I'm assuming it's guys because they carried him, all they would do is carry him and drop him off at the temple, or close to the temple, so he can beg. Peter and John show up and say, hey, I, I don't have cash for you, but what I have, I give to you. We're going to share in what we have. We're going to have kinship, and what I have is the Spirit the spirit of the living God. This is what 1 John is reminding us, that we must lay down our lives for one another. We must live in kinship, in unity with one another. And so something like spy is vital to this church. Not because it's something we do or or it's charity, it's because it's a reminder that we must live in kinship with our community, with those who are less fortunate, with those whose identity is all over the place. We must lay down our lives with the outcasts, the marginalized, the poor. I want you to notice the difference in how David speaks of God in the Psalms and how Peter and John speak of God. Now, I'm not knocking the Psalms. It's, it's a beautiful Psalm. It is a true Psalm. It is comforting. But it is not complete. David speaks of God or of a God, of his God, that is outside of him, out there. David's identity is firmly rooted in God's good character. And this is good, low-level religion. God is good and loving. He is protector and provider. However, Peter and John move us into a deeper place and they are filled and that's the key difference they are filled with the Holy Spirit God is no longer an outside companion God moves in God moves in to our lives the mystery of all ages one of the, uh, I think, I want to say it's uh, the author of Hebrews, is now a reality. This thing that was hidden for all time is now brought to light that, that God wants to dwell in humans. The temple was a model. It was a signpost of what was to come. And this is why Jesus says, if you destroy this model... In three days, what this model is pointing to will come to fruition. 
the divine and the human together in one place. And what was true of the physical temple is now true of us. The divine and the human together in our hearts. And this is the result. This is what Easter means. This is why Easter is for us. Now, you know that none of my homilies are complete without quoting Richard Rohr. So here we go. One of his homilies, now it's not a quote, it's more of a, a reference. He, he states, we are not called to worship Jesus and stop there. We're called to follow him into this union of the divine and the human. And he's calling us and he's saying, what, I, what I've done, I've brought both together in one place. That's what you need to do through the Holy Spirit to step into a reality where you are firmly grounded in who you are. And you are the beloved of God. He rejoices in your being. He doesn't just love you. He actually likes you. See, I always knew my dad loved me. That wasn't the problem. Part of why my identity was skewed is he never told me that he was proud of me. I always felt I didn't measure up. And so that event at 7-Eleven sealed the fate for me. There is no way my dad will ever like me. I am a disappointment. My uncle's the pastor of the church. My dad helps out at church. We're evangelical, according to my mom, right? Christian family, and here I am shoplifting. You see how all of a sudden with that event, I found myself outside of the tribe? And if that's who we are, then I'm not liked. I, I don't belong. So, he doesn't just love us. He likes who you are. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to come over your house and break open that dessert wine <laughs> and have a meal with you. That's, that's what Easter does. He lives inside. In you, he is, he is pleased and more than happy to dwell. God is yours and you are his. And there's nothing that can separate that. There's nothing that we do that can take that away. God's love for you is inseparable. There is nothing that can put a limit or a stop to how much he loves you. This is why we gather week after week. It's not for the low-level religion stuff. 
it's not to see if you measure up or if you're a true believer or a real believer or so that we can show each other, look how pious I am. I show up to church every day or every week, every weekend. Nah. It's, it's good low-level stuff, and I, I teach my kids because you have to start at the low level. We go to church, and we, we, you know, you go to kids' church, and you learn, and you, and you absorb. But at some point, that we have to jump to the higher stuff. But we meet week after week so that we can be reminded, and we can tell each other, and we can, we can tell our story of who we are and who God is. so that we can discover the deeper truths and we can experience God's peace. We celebrate the Eucharist, the great thanksgiving, week after week, so that we can be reminded that God is in the business of bringing the divine with the ordinary, the divine with the human, and as Richard Rohr says it, he does it to the bread so that we would believe that he does it to us. That we can hold it and taste this union. And the faith that it's called, or that this table calls us, is not to believe in God or the, the, the crucifixion or the resurrection, is that he's doing it in us. And that from this point forward, we are his beloved. That identity has to be put to death, has to be released. It is never a test of how good you are or how righteous you are or if you're worthy enough to come to the table. That's why we say this table is open for everybody. There is no religious test to pass. This is not a place of guilt or shame or hiding. It is an invitation to be restored. To be reminded that you are loved. For your eyes to be open to the mystery that the living God dwells in you. Beloved brothers and sisters, let us, let us awaken to our, I, sorry, our identity as God's beloved. Let us walk in love. Let us walk in kinship. Let us experience resurrection every single day as we join God in making all things new. Would you stand with me as we go to God with our needs and with our petitions? Let us pray for each other because we live in kinship and so your needs become my needs and your, your celebration and your thanksgiving becomes my celebration. Let us pray.